You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. Recite in the name of your Lord who created. Created man from a clinging substance. Recite, and your Lord is the most generous. Who taught by the pen. Taught man that which he knew not. No, but indeed man transgresses because he sees himself self-sufficient. Indeed, to your Lord is the return. Have you seen the one who forbids a servant when he prays? Have you seen if he is upon guidance or enjoins righteousness? Have you seen if he denies and turns away? Does he not know that Allah sees? No, if he does not desist, we will surely drag him by the forelock. A lying, sinning forelock. Then let him call his associates. We will call the angels of hell. No, do not obey him, but prostrate and draw near to Allah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Radio Ramadan, 87.7 FM. And uh, we are once again live with uh, Reflections, your host Zubair Akram and my guest Sheikh Razwan Muhammad. 5th of April, 14th of Ramadan, iftar today is at 8.09, 9 minutes past 8. Um, Surah Alak, 96th Surah of the Quran is what we've been uh, discussing uh, in last um, round about eight episodes that we've had. Uh, with Sheikh Rizwan on this. And the running theme is the we want to reflect on the effect of Wahi uh, revelation on the way human beings live, the civilization. Um, when we, we, you form a society, you form a community, and how they interact with each other, how they interact with themselves, how they interact with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And once human beings, a section of humans, they, they decide that they are going to live by the, the word of Allah, the revelation, what the implications are, and how it forms into a civilization which is godly, which is mindful of the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, um, we've had... Uh, several running themes within this main theme uh, and the, the one that comes to mind is the Darruj uh, which is the guiding principle of a successful life here and in uh, hereafter and we know this that the Darruj meaning uh, gradualness grading is what is required uh, as, as the main tenant of Islamic civilization to understand how we plan our life, how we have relationship with other human beings and with our creator um, and how Quran was revealed. Uh, the, the prime example of the Daruj being 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed his word through Jibreel salam on Prophet salam uh, in, in a span of 23 years, which started with the word Iqra, read. Uh, that's uh, the summary that I've understood from, la- from last few episodes. And this is where we will be going with, continuing with it uh, on the first first five ayahs, out of which three we have already focused on. And ayah number four and five is what will be the focus of today. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Uh, you are on mute and you need to unmute. I think you're on mute here. Okay. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. as usual. Um, I see you believe in light. What's happening with the light situation? It, 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 light has gone bad? Worse? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. Have you, is it, is, what time is it in Lahore? Is it, um... it, it, it is uh, five o'clock. No, no, so it's fine. Yeah, so. MashaAllah. <laughs> So it looks dark. Anyway, how are you doing? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Is it dark? I don't know. I think it's the angle. It's the angle. It's the angle. Yeah, it's the angle. Yeah, it's the angle. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, so? So, yeah. Iqra. Iqra bismi rabbika ladhi khalaq. It's the first five ayahs. That we, we actually focus on the first three. And yeah, I think, I think we got to... We were going through... Different bits. We were jumping between one, two, and three back and forward. I think. I think we were actually in the first one, and we had to explain the first one. We had to go into the reason I went from to the third is actually to explain the names of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So when we were talking about um, Rabb and the fact that Allah is Al Khaliq, then you have to tie in with okay, why? What are the names? What is God teaching? What is what is God asking the Prophet to recite? So we were kind of touching upon the fact that Karam. And the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is an alim as well is, um, you know, um, part of understanding of what God wants you to recite. Yeah. So I think that's why we were going into the other verses rather than going through the, the actual explanation of them. Um, yeah. So, Iqra bismi rabbika ladhi khalaq insana min alaq. The first uh, three ayahs is what we went through. And there was one bit that you connected Iqra with Surah Najm. Um, and I, I meant to get back on that one. Yes, you did. There was a connection between Surah Alaq and Surah Al-Najm. What Is was it... that? Um, just remind me, I, I can't remember actually. Was just... the, the connection of the revelation uh, how this is revealed on Prophet and how one of your friends when he was inquiring that he had never understood Surah Al-Najm the way he did this Ramadan. Oh, right. Yes. Yes, remember. And the connection that we have with Surah Al-Najm and Surah Alaq. Yes, yeah, so Surah Al-Najm is a fascinating um, chapter in and of itself. I don't think we've covered this in the course. In, in the, in the, I've covered it many times in, when teaching, but it's tafsir. But I've never I think, done it on radio, which is different. No. So it's a conversation. Uh, Surah Al-Najm is, is a fascinating um, phenomena. It's, it's, Surah Al-Najm is a phenomena in terms of the, the revelation of the Quran because it, I think, in, in, in a way that no other chapter has, you know, managed to impact linguistically and in terms of its, its effect on people, it stands alone very much uh, because the Quran is of varying types in terms of um, not from the perspective of being Quran, but from the perspective of its content, as Imam Ghazali talks about, you know, in his Jawahir al-Quran, a very famous book, The Jewels of the Quran, he talks about different layers and levels of the Quran in terms of content. So verses talking about Abu Lahab are not going to be the same as Aytul Kursi, for example. Hmm. And also in a literary sense, the structure is all eloquent, but from for different um, audiences. And the audience which was at the pinnacle of Eloquence at the time of the Prophet was the Qurayshi Meccan society and the surrounding environs where poetry, literature, and speech were very much the, at the fore. And so, Surah Najm, when it came, it led. To the end of the chapter, when it asked people to prostrate, Allah swears by the the star as it sets, but it can also be. 
actually um, one of the meanings of, of um, the 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 wahi and the revelation and najm specifically is is to reveal something in in stages munajjama and actually i think some translations of of english do actually don't say don't don't say i swear by the star but i i swear allah is swearing by the the gradual revelation of the quran the gradual revelation actually oh there we go that's another connection connections come at all time graduality Mm, Allah is mm. swearing. I mean, this is why. I mean, somebody was speaking. You know, we did this. Um, we ended up doing something about something else a couple of days ago, and somebody made a video about our video. Mm, we were talking mm. about gradual gradualism, and they didn't understand yeah. what gradualism is, which is quite hilarious. But gradualism is this thing that the Quran is, you know, revealed gradually, and Allah swears by the gradual revelation of the Quran. So, what's mm. what's the point of the gradual revelation of the Quran? It's the fact that. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing as a final message can only really um, ingrain itself and find a fertile, you know, um, kind of soil if it is, is is done gradually over a period of time. And that's that phenomenon in and of itself is worthy of swearing an oath. So this is a quite an interesting thing about Surah Al-Najm. It kind of ties in with that issue of the Darraj as well that we're talking about. It's a very deep thing. People... You know, you know, neglect it at their peril. Understanding to um, to darwaj. it cannot be um, dismissed as a superficial thing. Ibn Qayyim describes it as one of the two core um, pillars of the Prophet Ali um, message to all of humanity till the end of time is to darwaj with with taysir. And the something might come came to mind and it disappeared actually. So to darwaj is um, that process. Something did interesting came to my mind that just disappears. This is what happens when you're fasting um, about tadaruj. So the thing is, I always like throw things out. So that is is the gradual nature of uh, life, the gradual nature of what ah, you the said. The thing that came to my mind, yeah, it was, I say that Aisha radiallahu anha. She came to my mind because hmm. the the gradual nature is something you know. She said in Sahih Bukhari, it's a Sahih Hadith, so you can look it up. She said that. It was a fascinating thing to say. She said, if the first thing that was revealed about khamar, but wine, was do not drink khamar, she said, this is what she says, they would have said, we will never stop drinking khamar, wine. Who are they? So this is a fascinating statement from Aisha radiallahu anha, which is, it's the companions. Like if the first revelation, we know there's four stages to the to the prohibition of khamar, wine specifically, in the Quran, and you know it's not three. There's actually four. So that's why I'm saying it's four because most people think there's three revelations. There is actually four stages of um, you know presenting the idea of what wine is, where it comes from, what the benefits are, what the, what the detrimental aspects of it are, and then the prohibition. She said that if the first thing that was revealed was do not drink wine, they would have said, we will never stop drinking wine. They, meaning the Sahaba. people around her. The Sahaba. Like who, who, yeah. she, who she talking about? People on Mars? She's talking about Elon Musk? She's talking about, you know, somebody in, in the Gorbals? She's talking about the, the most blessed people after the prophets to have stepped foot on this earth. And what's the point she's making? I think, you know, the Prophet said that, you know, in, in, a, in a statement that's attributed to him, there's a whole discussion whether it is his statement. You know, take half of your deen from um, Humaira. This it was a kind of nickname for Aisha. Take half your religion from her. She had such insight. And that is, you know, understanding the result of things. And so when Allah is, is, is revealing Surah Najm, right at the beginning, in fact, when I was talking about that sort of Najm, it was something a different reason. It was the poetic stuff, but this is Tadaruj came in here now. Hmm. So Tadaruj is the reason why Allah is swearing by a Najm, the 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 gradual revelation of the Quran. The alternative is by the stars, and if if that ver chapter, which is so eloquent, starts with the you know the the, the oath on the gradual nature of the Quran through which it will embed itself in the psychology of people. Remember, you can't just impose everything on people in, in one go. And if mm. people are, you know, wayward, you can't just put, put them into line in one go. There's a whole process of tarbiyah. Remember, we just talked about sort of iqra, 
the whole idea of Rabb, one of the, the facets of Rabb is tarbiyah, which is you can't teach your child to read in one day. You can't teach your child um, etiquettes in one day. It's it's that knowledge is through an active process of learning. And clemency is through actively making yourself clement and, and merciful. So clem is like this process of, you know, taking a deep breath and not being angry, for example, and showing clemency and forgiveness. That comes sometimes to people after having to, you know, practice it over a period of time. And so, you know, what we have with tarbiyah is the fact that if Allah is a Rabb, Allah is saying that some people will, will need, the people that we want to rectify will sometimes have to be rectified through a longer process that we would than we would have to. But that's the way we talked about the sunnah of Allah. This is the way that God has created things, created things that they have to happen in stages, that they have to happen through a gradual process. And the Prophet, if there's anything you can remember about the Prophet's teaching, is that he was he was loath to to take a position which was something that would that would lead to harm by doing something immediately. You know, by forcing something through that you want to do. There's many things we want to do in life. There's more, many effects and results we want, but we don't force them through. Because hmm. the results of forcing something through is, that, you know, you might laugh in the short term, but you cry in the long term. This is something that I think Muslims miss. The, unfortunately, through like a lack of education of their own tradition, their own deen, and an insistence that their own understanding is the best understanding. You know the forfeiting and and throwing away and discarding of a whole tradition of a millennia of you know over one thousand three hundred years of scholarship written down by discarding it they think that now they themselves because they have Google Translate and they have Google and they have um, Chat GPT whatever it is they can now supersede these great minds you know yeah. it is it needs needs a degree of humility and this whole chapter is about ilm. You know, so that that whole chapter of Surah Najm was at the end. The eloquence is such that what Allah had revealed upon the heart of the Prophet that He was now reciting. You know, this is the result, one of the most eloquent results of Iqra. Obviously, the first one was Iqra, Bismi Khalaq. But this is a constant request from the Prophet O Messenger of God, recite. And of that was in Surah Najm at the end. Everybody, including all the polytheists, all the most fervent. Um, enemies of the Prophet ended up prostrating, and so, yeah. Sheikh, uh, so something that comes to mind from Tadaruj is so you, you teach, right? And mashallah, say around eight thousand students or seven thousand students have gone through your system. What do you want to see in them as an end result when a person walks into the class and they leave the course? Mm-hmm. What is it you want out of them in terms of transformation of character, transformation of thought, transformation or information? I'm going somewhere with it. I just want to first establish what is it that makes you, what is it that has made you follow this passion that you would want to teach and these students, they come in and they leave. And when they leave, what do you ideally want them to be? In what state of mm-hmm. mind? In what state of uh, mindset? Yeah, yeah. so I could, I could read, go to the website, ISIL's website and tell you what our mission statement is. <laughs> well, that's like a corporate response, yeah. isn't it? You know, thought yeah. leaders for the, for the modern societies and, and full members of the communities that, within which they are, I don't know what it is, made up a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But essentially that is a mission statement. But the, but the, the thing that... Um, one of my teachers told me, you know, if you want to summarize Islam in the sense you're talking about, is nashrul khayr lil ghayr, spreading good to other people. Now, spreading means just focusing on on just maximizing output to other people. Now, once you do that, one of the things myself, Sheikh Amr, probably focus on is that we don't dictate to people after they've done something. Look, you need to go here. We advise and we we give pointers and if they come for advice we give them you know advice but it, it's not that okay we need i want you to do this i want you to do that because the day we're living in it's, it's very much an age, an age of individualism so people have their own issues but also 
the specifics of people, if you think of all the students that we've had, thousands of students, it's very difficult to get to um, hands-on, do the type of you know training that you would do if, for example, there was 10 in a class or there was 15 students that you had. But you know what, what's interesting is that I, you know, when I when I travel or go somewhere, I always meet people that have done the course that I never knew about. So they've done the course, they were in a class, you know, because it's such a large class, sometimes 200 people in different cities. You wouldn't have that connection of what they're doing, but they're, you know, head of charities, they're doing, you know, amazing educational work abroad. They're they're all doing really impactful things you don't realize until you meet them. So the reason why you push it out is, I think, at the core of it, going back to the specific question, why do you do it? I think if it wasn't for a desire that I have, and Sheikh Amr has, I know, of instilling the prophetic temperament, the prophetic character, and that that, that should be the thing that dictates them in every every juncture of their life, there wouldn't be much more reason to do it. It's not to excel and produce academic articles, even though people have. It's not to create institutions, even though people have. It's not to do amazing you know, community work, even though people have. It's wherever you find yourself, there is a prophetic character. There mm -hmm. is there is an aspect which is a blind spot for most people in modern life, which is that you can you can do better than what you're doing. And now when I say you can do better than what you're doing, as a Muslim, what that means is you can do better than what you're doing by by um, sinking yourself in with the Prophet Ali's character. Because at every point of your life that you have a scenario the Prophet would have is has an input into how to re respond to that. Whether it's to be in the most you know extreme form of jalwa, you know, meaning in the most you know most open form of power and authority and leadership, all the way down to you know, so what we would consider to be non-impactful, like how to drink water. Mm. You know, so you want to drink water, but there's something the Prophet has to tell you about that. Mm -hmm. You want to lead an army, a country, there's something the Prophet has to tell you about that. Like, if you want to be a husband, you want to be a, a member of your close family, you want to be an enemy, you want to be a friend, the Prophet has something to tell you about every single aspect of that. There's nobody in all those students, thousands of students that we had, who was outside the paradigm of the Prophet and there's nobody outside a person who the Prophet then taught to rectify him. You know, so you've got people that are addicted to things. Do you not think there's people that want to sin and they're, 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 they're insisting on that? Do you not think the Prophet around him had people of exactly the same nature who came to him and then his response was a certain way and he'd transform them? Like the young man who came and and, and um, he said, He said, Oh, Master of God, provide me permission just to commit um you know fornication the process and you know in, in one of the you know ways that he does which is he wanted to he didn't want to say no i'm not going to do that how dare you say that he didn't even say no he didn't even say um stay silent look he transformed so how did he do it he said okay you're intelligent how would you like this how would you like it if i tell you about the results of this and he said would you like this with your mother if you had a daughter would you like it with your daughter with your sister and he said, La wallahi. He said, No, by Allah. And then he said, there, there was nothing more beloved to me. This man was saying, this young man, he said, nothing more, There was nothing more beloved to me before coming to the Prophet than doing that act. And there was nothing more hated to me after I left the Prophet than doing that act. That's transformation. And this is in front of the companions. What did they want to do? They wanted to lynch, essentially. This is, this is how our community is, unfortunately. At the end of times, we our community is not just illiterate, but it's also um, insistent upon imposing its lit illiteracy upon other people. Mm -hmm. um, they want th this. The thing the companions had the humility to do was to listen, and then to implement what they were told, which was, "Look, this is how you change. You don't do change the way you want to change. You look at the end result." And this mm -hmm. is one one thing that I think people just, you know, it frustrates, but it's kind of, you know, I don't really bother much about it, but. The, the very superficial discourse, religious discourse that we have um, is, is very, very um, difficult to digest. Hmm. You know, one of the main things about, you know, our, our sharia is also, you know, another uh, to look at 
the end result of what you do. Like something might be right to do, but if you do it, what happens? So Sayyidina um, Umar radiallahu anhu, a lot of his fiqh during his khilafah was based upon an observation and his ijtihad was based upon an observation of what would happen if I took a, took a specific judgment or decision. You know, if I implemented this, what would happen? I mean, in the, you know, it, you should implement it, but then if you implement it, what happens? Hmm. And this, you know, this is a simple thing. This is like common sense, isn't it? And this is at the core of our sharia. And, and all of a sudden, our community and our people on our, um, you know, social media platforms, unfortunately, um, you know, I'd oh, love oh, to oh. see their faces, but it's this, this very superficial response from to, from to a very deep, as you know, a very deep tradition, a very deep, complex. Um, rich, complex, beautiful tradition. The complexity is its beauty. Islam mm. is not this kind of rigidity that you had in the previous religions. It has thawabit and mutaghayyirat. It has things that are established and set and cannot change. And they're known and there's things that are, that are changeable and malleable. And in between, there's these areas which border the two, which is the whole realm of scholars. Hmm. And so, Iqra is like, and Surah Al-Najm, these are a manifestation of different aspects of the complexity of the, of the, of the Quranic revelation. Sheikh, getting back to that, the reason I asked that question is Tadarruj. Sorry, I took, I took off way off your Yeah, you know, it's okay. Uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, I think it was in line with what we're trying to discuss here. It's Tadarruj. It's Tadarruj. It's, it's a gradation. It's a gradualness. And what I'm trying to understand is there is this gradualness that exists. For example, if there is a head of charity, would he take from your course, from your teachings, that to what extent will they involve themselves in music concerts, for example? I mean, I, I've just seen a growth in just, you know, music for the sake of music. And it, it loses the, the actual um, kind of uh, the, the spirit of what they're trying to sing sometimes. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm, we're not going there. What I'm saying is that, and there is this, this thing that bothers me uh, where I'm living right now. So there is this dark circle that goes on. And in that dars, when it comes to Surah Ahzab or Surah Noor, all the women, they mark a woman to come into that dars so that the end result is now they start covering. Because these are the two surahs which are the most important for them because this is a physical manifestation of, in their view, the faith, mm -hmm. in, uh, the, the, the dress code. And then what I feel, there is a lack of patience. There is a lack of graduation. There is a lack of the daruj in the way that the religion is kind of almost like shoved down the throat. You know, this is what it is. And if you don't do this, this is, um, it's not information only, it's not admonition. It is more than that. Uh, mm. And so where is the Darruj implemented in scholarship? Mm -hmm. in in dark circles in in you know and this these are happening all over the world and there is a big gap <clears throat> now between practicing muslims and people who don't class themselves to practice and there's a mm -hmm. minority which is ever shrinking minority uh, and there's a total ghetto there is a total disconnect i would say almost with, with the wider society mm. yeah so i think initially you said um music concert and charity and then you went on to dress code yeah dress code and things so i think um look if a student comes in and they do a court class they come out they come out knowing more than they went out with at the very least they will understand that what they under they thought they understood they don't know and you would think well that's not good but it is good like if you come in and think you know everything this happens i mean guarantee the first six weeks of our courses, you know, an, an inter introductory course, there's a there's a good hardcore of like obviously ten percent of people that think they know everything anyway, and they're just here to watch. And so my my first six weeks, essentially, is to bring them down to the fact that to for them to themselves acknowledge without hum humiliating them that they need to start from scratch. And for me, it's it's a it's a very humbling experience because. It's not out of a desire to, to lower them, it's, it's a desire to raise them up. Because until you build the foundations properly, you will not build them up. 
And I see people after doing five years of our courses who started with that mindset, they came in thinking they knew everything. And then after six weeks, dismantling through an, a study, because they, they thought they know Arabic, they thought they know usul al-fiqh, they thought they know sira, and then you just say, okay, did you know this aspect of it? And they're saying, oh, I didn't think of that. And then slowly but surely after six weeks, they say, okay, we'll, we'll learn, we'll study. Hmm. And so at the end of it, you know, we, you know, one of the last cor- um, classes in our diploma course, which is a one-year course, is you know case studies on Islamic law, like organ donation and and things. And one of them is a, a case study in music. And it was interesting that, that there's a couple who did the course together, and at the end of the course, they both came to speak to me, and they said, you know, thank you for that um, the course generally, but this lesson about music, which is two sessions, um, you know, I, I was very confused about. Now I know. And then it was interesting that they both disagreed upon what they knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because why? Because why do you think scholars disagreed? Because yeah. they saw a different perspective and one saw a perspective of the scholars that had one opinion, the other person had an understanding. What I didn't want is for both of them to agree on one thing. I'm not there to tell you what to do. I'm there to tell you that there's a complexity here. You need to factor into your decision making. That's mm. all I'm going to do. I want to say to you, you can do, you can leave the class and do whatever you actually don't want to see your face again. And I say this to some people. I don't mm. want to see your, unless you're doing something good, I don't want to see your face. Mm. I don't want to involve myself in your life, in your private life, in your public life. I don't want to, I just want you to remember that this, this religion is a weighty religion. It, it has, it bears responsibilities it places responsibility upon your shoulders. And at the end of the day, the end, the last day, you will stand in front of Allah to answer for your actions and specifically what you knew to be correct. That's it. Hmm. And then impact, inshallah. You know, people have impact. A person, you know, you know, for what we would say, well, this person is just, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, cleaning the streets, for example has no impact and that, you know, a leader of a nation has an impact. I don't, it never, ever occurred to me that that's the case. I know they have more ability to help, but in the eyes of God, we don't, I don't think that's the case. So for me, if I was to, in, in, in you know, um, inspire a person just to be a better mundane person, you know, quote unquote, that's the same, same to me as inspiring a person to be a leader. In the eyes of Allah, I know what's, what's more important. Yes, you know, headlines and, you know, people being, you know, this is an amazing person or that person did this or set this charity or whatever. That's good. And, you know, you know, the Prophet said, the best of you is the one that's most helpful to people. That's true. Hmm. But, you know, in, in reality, that Prophet talk talking about the dunya, not the akhirah, in that sense, immediately, even though it does affect the akhirah. So this is the thing, I mean... So you don't want going back to the thing when you when you when you're teaching you don't want them to have that mindset of forcing people and and thinking that everything is black and white. Hmm. You know the black and white stuff. Leave it to scholars. You know hmm. the thing that we need to decide what's black and white. Leave it to the person that's teaching you. Hmm. And obviously hmm. there's different types of teachers, but essentially the the core is know you know in Turkish the hadnibil you know know your place, hmm. know that this is not your expertise. You can say X, Y, and Z, but you cannot say more than that. Yeah. You, know, you can say this, that, and the next thing, but the jump that you think you can do, you're not literate enough to do it. So that's something you shouldn't do. Read hmm. uh, Ramadan, uh, Reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Today, iftar is at 8.09 in Glasgow. A short ad break, and inshallah, we'll be right back after this break. Um, after the break, uh, we'll go back to Surah Najm, uh, the first five ayahs, inshallah. Radio Ramadan 365 Sound for the Soul Ghazali Education Trust Apne saath so se zayid skoolon mein Ek laak se zayid bachchon ka Mustakbil samarne mein koosha hai Aap chahe To aaj ke charag Kal ka suraj ban sakte hai दुनिया रोशन कर सकते हैं इस रमजान अपने जकात और अतियात गजाली एजुकेशन ट्रस्ट को दीजिए खुदा मेरे खुदा मेरे खुदा 
دنیا کو جگانا ہے سب کو بتانا ہے رمضان میں مسلوں کو راستہ دکھانا ہے With years of experience and an extensive portfolio, Shield Associates provide an excellent accountancy and bookkeeping service. So if numbers and deadlines are giving you a hard time, come along to our office on 215 Albert Drive. Shield Associates, the accountants you can trust. Himad Kraif, Women Aid. It's such a solution that women are بچوں اور نوجوانوں کو محفوظ اکامیڈیشن دلوا سکتی ہے یہ سروس ان خواتین نوجوانوں اور بچوں کے لیے ہے جو مائنورٹی ایتھنک کمیونٹی کے دائرے میں گنے جاتے ہیں یہ ان افراد کے لیے ہے جو مشکلات جیسے کہ زبردستی کی شادی گھریلو تشدد عزت بچانے کے لیے تشدد اور دھمکیاں یا غیر اخلاقی سہ چکے ہیں اگر آپ کو مدد یا سپورٹ کی ضرورت ہے پلیز آپ ہمیں فون کریں زیرو ون فور ون تھری فائیو تھری زیرو ایٹ فائیو نائن ہمارے اوپننگ ٹائمس منڈے سے فرائیڈے نو سے پانچ بجے تک ہیں اس کے علاوہ اگر آپ کو اور انفارمیشن چاہیے ہے تو ਸਰਮਦਾਨ ਚੰਗੀ ਸਿਹਤ ਤੇ ਵਜ਼ਨ ਨੂੰ ਕੰਟਰੋਲ ਕਰਨ ਵਾਸਤੇ ਗ੍ਰੇਟਰ ਗਲਾਸਕੋ ਐਂਡ ਕਲਾਈਡ ਵਿੱਚ ਸਾਡੀ ਮੁਫਤ ਵੇਟ ਮੈਨੇਜਮੈਂਟ ਸਰਵਿਸ ਇਸਤੇਮਾਲ ਕਰੋ ਤਰਬੀਅਤ ਜਾਫਤਾ ਕੋਚੀਜ਼ ਤੇ ਗਰੁੱਪ ਸੈਸ਼ਨ ਦੇ ਨਾਲ ਅਸੀਂ ਤੁਹਾਡੀ ਮਦਦ ਕਰਨ ਲਈ ਮੌਜੂਦ ਹੈਗੇ ਹਾਂ ਹਰ ਇੱਕ ਨੂੰ ਜ਼ਾਤੀ ਮਸ਼ਵਰੇ ਦੇਣ ਦੇ ਨਾਲ ਜ਼ਰੂਰਤ ਪੈਣ ਤੇ ਇੰਟਰਪ੍ਰੀਟਰ ਵੀ ਫਰਾਮ ਕਰ ਸਕਨੇ ਹਾਂ ਮਜ਼ੀਦ ਮਾਲੂਮਾਤ ਲਈ ਸਰਚ ਕਰੋ NHSGGC ਕਮਿਊਨਿਟੀ ਵੇਟ ਮੈਨੇਜਮੈਂਟ ਸਰਵਿਸ ਜਾਂ ਫਿਰ ਕਾਲ ਕਰੋ 0141211 آیاز اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق خلق الإنسان من علق اقرأ وربك الأكرم الذي علم بالقلم علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم So Sheikh, the first three ayahs uh, which we covered in the last episode um, the first two has two names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one is well two Rabb then is Khaliq and then on the third one we also discussed Kareem Uh, the, the most interesting thing where we left off the last episode in the name of Allah was Kareem, understanding the word Karam and the Karam is also uh, grapes and how tender it is. And I just want to start this part of the program, uh, Reflections, with the concept, understanding what the concept is, Karam, the, the, the concept of Karam. Yeah, so, you know, when Allah says that, read you know because the whole thing here is a contrast between saying um you know read in the name of your lord who created created man from a clot mm. that is in some ways it is quite it inspires fear and inspires fear in the prophet ali salatu was initially and then when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, iqra again second time wa rabbukal akram and when allah says wa rabbukal akram that your lord that has asked you to, re- to recite Now you should know that he is Kareem. It should put you at ease. It gives the sense of what in Arabic called tasalli, which is, um, it gives you the sense of um, ease and, and tranquility and, and, and fortitude and strength to continue with something. So in and of itself, it has a psychological effect on the Prophet ﷺ. But it's not just for the Prophet ﷺ. It's also for, you know, generally human beings. Ya ayyuhal insanu ma gharraka. Allah says in the Quran, you know, oh human, you know, not the Prophet, but everybody generally, what is it essentially that has, um, you know, um, made you, is like to be careless about your Lord, to misplace would be a good way of looking at it. What's made you misplace your Lord? In other words, how has God disappeared from the you know, the kind of environment within which you think you are operating in and living in. 
who created you and made you in the best form in any form that he wanted he rakkabak he kind of fashioned you so karam is introduced here is to give the prophet a sense of tasalli and also to understand the function that allah um, fulfills in creation which is to you know manifest this quality of um generosity and generosity in karam the Prophet used the term himself, and the Prophet is also one of the names of the Prophet is Al Karim. And you know, when we talk about Karam, there's also this aspect that Arab linguists talk about when somebody is called Karim, you know, they'd use it as a as a proverbial proverbial world word to indicate a person who has good lineage as well, you know, of high lineage. So it, it, you know, so if you have a good Lineage from your mother's side and your and your father's side, that would be a person who is Karim because there's this generosity of lineage, this generosity of connections, and so on and so forth. And so this is why this this verse is seems rep- repetitive, but there's a there's a very deep deep function there, which is to give the salli to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And the Prophet sallallahu you know, um, asked us to also manifest that. You know, the Prophet said that from the manifestation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to give ikram to a, a you know an elderly Muslim. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to, to ikram is to show this karam, this generosity that it's not just something that's for yourself, it's something that goes beyond you to other people as well. So this is what you know when we talk about Jawami al Kalim, you know, the Prophet being given succinct speech. This is what's manifest when he the Prophet, you know, mirrors some of the words that the Quran actually uses. And then that takes you on to you know verse number four, four which is Allah Allama bil qalam. And that is that is like the explanation of the karam. You know, the the outpouring of the karam, if you want to understand it, the thing that will be so gentle and somebody giving you something that makes you never need anything else. It's like you wow. know never understood this this way that what we're saying is Allah is Kareem or Iqra or Rabbukul Akram, recite and your Lord is most generous because he taught you by the pen. Is that? Is that I wouldn't translate it as because, but that's implied in the rhetoric because it's a it's a jumla um, which is started with the ism al soul. So there's a there's a there's a sense of this is why. So this mm. is so the, know, there is you, the, 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 his kareem. Uh, his ak- akram and the indication or, or the sign of him being kareem is that he taught us by pen he taught you by pen mm-hmm. it is one of the indications yes yeah, so, something came to me when you said that but it's disappeared again bad day today hmm. kareem yeah obviously i mean that's i, I think that's probably what it is akram like the manifestation and and the outpouring of of that is to teach people by means of the qalam think of the qalam actually you know you know what what's this qalam you're talking about if you want to understand it there's there's different the qalam in our theology is used for i would say famously used for about one two probably three things one is the lawhi wal qalam this is the divine enlightened entity which allah uses to write decree the guard tabret, and then you have al um, qalam, which is what's sarif al aqlam. The Prophet mentioned this: that the angels, the scribes, writing with their pens. They have specifics, you know, things that they use. And then there's this, which is the thing that we use to write. And so this is a. You think of this, um, you know, Socrates. He was a, a great enemy of writing, the great um, teacher of. Um, Plato, he was against writing down thought. So he was probably you could say he was all for the reciting, but not for the re- not for the writing. Mm-hmm. So he was all for the re- reciting, not for the writing. He wanted people to speak and teach. He didn't want people to write and read. Mm-hmm. And reason for that is he felt that it means that you detach yourself from the need for a teacher. You detach yourself from the need of a living person that gives you and conveys to you. Like projects to you what people knew in the past. So imagine there's no writing. Okay, imagine no way of recording anything from the past. How do you get that information? You get from somebody who's living who tells you, by the way, 
I'll give you this information. And that person dies, you're the person that carries their knowledge. There's no cassette recorder, there's no recording, nothing at all, no databases, nothing at all. And so the problem he had is he felt that that would be a detriment to the detriment of conveying ilm, conveying thought. And in fact, one of my teachers, um, Rahimahullah Muhammad Abu Layla, he passed away, I think, 2020, Allah grant him Jannah. He said that he he said he was convinced that Socrates was a prophet. You know, mm. he was he he taught me Arabic initially. And so, um, had a long conversation with him. He said, "He said, well, he, everything he has said allies with exactly what we understood prophets came to teach." Because he was executed for corrupting the youth, and the the understanding that we have now is that he was corrupting them by telling them that there's that there's no such thing as idols. You know, so that's that's a, a side point. But the thing is, Allah is saying He's Kareem, He is generous. By giving you something that will overflow to maximize and leverage everything you have, human knowledge will be leveraged through this ability to record qalam. Because that's the whole point of a qalam. The qalam is a metaphor for the ability to record information. And the moment you record information, you can build upon information. That you can hmm. find something and you can read it and you can build upon it. Hmm. And hmm. when you die, somebody takes what you've written and they read it and they build upon it. Halum majar. You keep going like that. And think of the cumulative effect. You know, during COVID, there was a cumulative effect of people just looking at what's been provided by people before them in human history and then just running with how to implement that and the developments in technology and literacy and all this chat, GPT, is always the result of that speeding up of using recorded information, which is what the Qalam is all talking about. You know, that's the manifestation of karam. And the thing about karam is, you know, if you have a child and you give them a lot and you're kareem to your child, that can also corrupt them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you kalam, give them... Kalam, kalam, kalam. So you said three meanings. There are three theology, in theology, you understand... What comes to mind, yeah, off the top of my head, I think three, three. major ones. I mean, Iqbal says, Law bitu. Kalam bitu tera wujud al kitab. He's referring to the Prophet Yes, yeah, so this is the the first meaning, which is the the light entity. Yeah. You are the you are, you are the the tablet and the and the pen. Tera wujud al kitab. Yeah, so your existence is the book itself. Yes. tere muhit me hijab. And then the, the, the third one is beautiful. Aleme abu khak me tere zahur se farooh. Anyway, we go back to the Kalam. So Kalam uh, is Prophet Sallallahu as well? No, 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 no. The Prophet Sallallahu is the Prophet Sallallahu So he's a prophet, okay. a human, flesh and blood. But then there's a discussion about the, the fact that the Prophet Sallallahu was given, you know, what was the limit of what the Prophet was given. And so, you know, Imam Nawi mentions this in his fatawa that the Prophet, you know, people, his fatawa are essentially exactly that, fatwas. You know, somebody asked him about how can we say that um, the Prophet knows the unseen when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has, has made a special quality for himself. And would that not mean that the Prophet's knowledge is similar to the knowledge of Allah? He says that the Prophet Ali was given knowledge, meaning given, not inherent and it was given and and the one that gives decides how much they give Hmm. and the fact that it is given also means that it's part of it's given not all of it and so the prophet you could say and scholars have said the prophet was at the end of his life was given you know what the knowledge that was inscribed upon the low hell mahfold you know Hmm. the scholars that have said that meaning that he you know he was given you know allah says وَعَلَّمَكَ مَا لَمْ تَكُنْ تَعْلَمْ that God taught you what you did not and the generosity of God, fadl of Allah upon you, the generosity and the overpowering generosity of Allah was upon you was great. So that, that is, you know, a lot of scholars say that that is um, because he was taught the Qur'an. The Qur'an says itself that we have not neglected anything in this book. If he's given all the meanings of the Qur'an, and Ibn Taymiyyah mentions this, all the meanings of the Qur'an were instilled in the Prophet and the book itself contains everything, which means that the Prophet was given Knowledge of everything God wanted to give him. But that is nothing compared to the knowledge of Allah. It's like a, not even a drop in a drop in a drop of the ocean of Allah's knowledge because Allah's knowledge is beyond the things that he has created. 
you know, and the other thing is <clears throat> this knowledge is is um what we call muktasib, kasbi. It's not as we said before, Wahhabi. Wahhabi is like something that's divinely instilled. Um is kasbi in terms of um given. Sorry, it's is Wahhabi in terms of given, it's not kasbi and it's not inherent, it's not that it's it's um which is non-essential to the Prophet hmm. So understanding Qalam in this um, is uh, So coming back to that thing you mentioned while mentioned, the thing that people misunderstand but what he's saying there is that he's he's not necessarily saying that you know, low B2, Qalam B2 you are both the the, the yes. pen, he's exaggerating, hyperbole poetic hyperbole yeah, and yeah. you're both the, the, the pen and the and the um, the tablet, meaning, what does that mean? It means that the Messenger was the the ultimate manifestation of God's decree. Because law and qalam indicates essentially what does it mean? They both together mean, you know, the, the decree. Hmm. Like he, the Prophet is the ultimate thing that was decreed by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. He's he's creating this emphasis on the on the, on the essence of the Prophet and his importance. And so that's really important to understand that in poetry, you know, the the, the poet will make what we call poetic license mubalaka in that. Law habitu qalam Okay, I stand corrected. So, so the qalam there um, is an exaggeration. Qalam is with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala when he yeah because he's saying you are the qalam. He's not the problem. Is not the qalam. It's mubalaka. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like. Muhammad, the Qalam is the Qalam The Lawh is the Lawh He's saying you are the pen You are the tablet No he's not He's saying it's as if you are Why? Because you manifest the divine decree As the, the, the Lawh has recorded the divine decree You manifest the most important things Of the, of the divine decree That's what he's meaning Lawh bitu Qalam bitu Tera wujud al-kitab Subhanallah Wow 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 Wow, I'm just immersed in this one. Tell me, Alame Abu Hakme, Tere Zahur say for all. Just remember when the Adan is just focused. So, yeah, let's let's get back to Kalam, the concept of Kalam in this Surah Alaq. Alladi Allama Bil Kalam. And the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught, who taught by the pen, is because. Is indicative that he is generous. He is he, the Almighty, is Kareem. Recite, and your Lord is most generous, and he has taught by the pen. I still don't fully understand what's the significance that he taught us by the pen. I, okay, I, well, the pen is meaning this is not the, the divine pen, this is not the meaning the divinely created pen. It's one of the things that some scholars say was created directly by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so that's a different issue anyway But this is uh, Who taught human beings Meaning taught them To make use of the qalam That's probably the best tafsir of this verse If you go to the tafsir Some of them will mention other things But this is the best one Which is the use of the pen itself The, the, the ability to write, record So you know, some people say That the Prophet Adam was the first given that Some, I think the, the majority It's a historical thing from the Israeliyat Essentially but Imam al-Dahak, the Tabi'i, said that that was um, the Prophet Enoch, Idris, والسلام, that was the first person to use. So the, the reason for it being you know, a manifestation of karam is that it allows us to you know, build civilization, build societies, build a knowledge culture. And remember, you know, even Western scholars of Islam, Frank Rosenthal, I think it was, he wrote a book called um, Knowledge Triumphant. In which he maps out the 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 contribution of Islam to human civilization, mm-hmm. and the way he said Islamic civilization was marked is that it was a knowledge civilization, unlike any other civilization before it. Like it was all about knowledge, not about information, not about technology, not about um, power and war and and um, you know utilizing armaments or. Nothing. It was knowledge. Everything flowered out of that. The architecture we have, the music we have, the arts we have, the science we have, and as I'm talking in terms of Muslim science and all these things, 
is all from this ability that we were a, a, a nation which was built upon knowledge. And this trickled down into the Christian nations, even though Christianity is before us. It trickled down into the Jewish nations, even though that they were before us. Even Jewish theology and law is impacted, almost fashioned by Islamic law and theology. Christian theology is the same. There's a couple of books come, came out recently by, um, I don't know, Dr. Muzaffar, I can't remember actually the full name, uh, from Canada, um, on Thomas Aquinas and the effect of Muslim thought on Thomas Aquinas, who was pivotal in, in, in Christianity and in, in Catholicism. So Islam was so impactful that, it, it, just think about this, it, it molded the religious traditions of Jew, Judaism and Christianity. Hmm. You know, like, you know, even though, um, it came after, even though it came after, yes, of course. Like you know, think think of, um, 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 who's the, completely um, gone out of my mind actually. Um, the physician of um, Salahuddin Ayyubi, which was um, a contemporary of Isaiah the Abdeslam, the Jewish, the physician. Who's the Jewish physician of Salahuddin Ayyubi? Mm, pass. <laughs> this is amazing. This like disappeared in fasting. This everything disappears, and the Sian is a, is an amazing, hum, humbling experience, <laughs> as, as we as we say. Um, the, he wrote the guide to the perplexed. My students always you text me things that are irrelevant. If I asked you, you know, if I asked you, who was who was the person that scored a hat trick in the World Cup in Qatar? I guarantee some of my students will text me right now. This happens all the time. And if I ask a simple question, which I've kind of forgotten, then it's, um, ah, who's this person? So we're going to uh, going around in circles trying to remember. Because <laughs> <laughs> the reason I'm saying this, he was affected to the point that his book, The Guide to Perplexed, was essentially a reworking of Ash'ari theology, Muslim Maimon, theology. Maimon, Maimonides, Maimonides, Maimonides. Maimonides, Maimonides. 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 Yeah. Maimonides famously... The most famous book in, in, in Jewish theology is his book, The Guide to Perplexed. It's basically, if you read it in Arabic, actually, it, you don't know until, you know, if you, you know how to read outside the, the chapters on the issues of divinity. In the chapter of divinity, you don't re actually understand that you're not reading a Muslim text. And mm -hmm. even the Jewish law as well, it was, it was actually structured in 8th, 9th century Baghdad, influenced by the Hanafi school. So, you know, when we say وَرَبُّكَ الْأَكْرَمْ You know, read and, and your Lord is generous The generosity actually su it surpassed Islam mm. If you think of any benefit of technology nowadays And it's limited, I say the, the effects of technology are very negative in many ways Any benefit of technology has its core within Islam You know, carrying the, this knowledge through this qalam and insisting that it would pass through generations to ourselves. You know, Alam al Insana Malam Yalam taught man that which man did not know. And this is, you know, the whole thing. So the, the, if you read this mistakenly, you'll think that God gave us a book telling everything we didn't know. I guarantee mm. that's how people read it because they will say, taught man what they did not know. There's certain things that are instilled by fitrah. You know the evilness of lying and and certain wrong actions, but most things we learn through a cumulative effect of studying and research and recording and 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 debating and so on and so forth. But the thing is, Allah has taught you this, the tools by which that happens. That's the whole point. If Allah teaches you through the qalam, He's given you the ability as a human being to be able to use the qalam. And he's also, is it the importance of learning and then recording and writing because it's an aid to memory? So transmitting what you have learned to future generations, and that can only happen through some kind of some form of recording. Mm -hmm. So would we say that the qalam or the computers will have the same significance as qalam? I mean, it has the same impact. It doesn't have the same significance. There's something. You know, this goes back to, you know, things like, you know, should we go out at the beginning or end of Ramadan to look for the new moon or should we use 
your computer or astronomical projections to calculate. You could do both, and both would have the same result. Hmm. But the thing about the physical sighting is that it, it is something accessible to everybody, regardless of technology in the past, present, or future. Hmm. So <clears throat> you today going out at the end of Ramadan to check whether the next month has come or not will be exactly the same as somebody at the time of the Prophet and going out and looking to see if the month has come or not. In other words, it'll be a religion that the, the literacy required to function in it is something accessible to every single person. Now, the mm. thing you ask, which is, oh, well, we can record and, and, and do these things with different devices. Yes, absolutely. But the device that you use now will be in 20 years um, obsolete. Mm. If, you go, if you think 20 years back and think of the devices you were doing using to do certain things now you do, Take your smartphone out, put it on the table, and then 20 years earlier, think of the things you needed to have to do exactly what this thing does. Mm -hmm. And then put them on the table. So if 20 years ago you had, we'd had a radio show and we were saying, oh, the qalam can be a manifestation of whatever was used at that time. And I say, yes, of course it is. Look, Islam is so amazing. <laughs> and then now we're going... No, the qalam is, is primordial. It's, it's something that is, even the art of writing, you know, if you, if you think of our civilization, mm. calligraphy and the art of orthography and and just the, 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 um, just the sanctity of doing that. You know, it, it said that Ibn, Ibn Jawzi, mm. um, he, he, his ghusl was done by the, 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 the pen cuttings that he used during his life. You know, and he used to he used to write with reed, obviously, and he used to cut them, and he he did so much. That he had these bags, and obviously, when you have ghusl, you know, if you're, and if when you pass away, you'll you'll be given a ghusl, and it's the water is slightly heat heated, tepid. The what was used was the the, the pen cuttings, and mm. so, you know, this is something that, you know, even in Sule, you know the Sulaimania Mosque in Istanbul, yeah, the, it was designed by Mimar Sinan to collect the the soot which comes out of the candles and in and so this the 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 airflow was such that this dust which was instilled or infused with the kind of um the charcoal would come and collect in a specific place in the back of the mosque would be collected made into ink to then write mushafs so the, there was this the reason for that is that it was a waqf and the the candles were used to facilitate a blessed act, which was the prayer. And they felt that everything had to then be, you know, com you know, composed and collected to make something beautiful, which was the mushaf. Mm. So that is something that never will never leave. It's, it's something that's innate, regardless of the fact that, you know, people nowadays don't know how to write, not because they can't, but because they've forgotten how to use a pencil. Because it's been so long since they've been... I know people that can't sign their name because it's been so long since they've actually had to yeah, sign, hold their pencil because they just copy and paste. <laughs> yes. So, you know, this is such an amazing thing that Allah is saying, Alladhi allama bil qalam. We taught, you know, I mean, this takes your, takes your respect way um, kind of like a top for your parents. I would say my, my father, he's a collector of pens. So he huh? can't leave he can't leave the house without having a pen in his pocket. And from ah, their yes. generation. So having a qalam is probably something which is inspired by Quran. So that's like Imam Siraj Wahaj. May Allah bless him. He always travels and he always has so many pens. I asked him once, he said, he, I like giving them to people. So yeah. you know, he's got his pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. he just, you know, Allah grant him, you know, so much reward. Such an amazing, yeah. I just came from mind actually, such an amazing person does such good for the community. Always good, not evil. Yeah. And so there's very few of those. Um, you know, amazing you know, kind of ummah individuals, you know, people that bring people together, like just make the ummah bigger rather than making it smaller, you know, alhamdulillah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Sheikh, uh, ending this program with the last of this um, today's discussion, Allam al insana malam yalam, and taught man what he did not know, the significance and the connection with the previous ayah. Yes, yeah, so I kind of touched upon it that Allah says that He taught through. The way, the process through which Allah taught is through the qalam, and we talked about what the qalam is. 
But then Allah says, al-insana, you know, taught and inculcated within human beings, things he did not know before. And so we would say, well, this is like God is from the sky, dropped something in our head and it's gone in and it's, he's taught people things they didn't know. But Allah is saying he taught through the pen and the pen we're saying is the physical thing we have through which we record. Through that, Allah facilitates people knowing. Remember, insan, allam al-insana. Remember what's insan? Insan is somebody, remember, we for, I forgot one of them, which was three meanings, which is one is to be uns. Uns. Yeah, so uns is like this um, quality of, you know, sociab sociability, sociability, to being sociability. part of a family, being part of society. And then inas, which is to have this intelligence, cognition, and reflective course, core, and then forgetfulness. Now, I'm forgetful. The way I should have done is I should have decided what I was going to talk about today and then wrote it down and said, oh, Maimonides, I did it. And this is, what is Allah saying? Taught man through the pen, taught mm. man, meaning human, meaning always has a propensity to forget, but also has the ability to think. Things he did not know. So the thing I did not know when I was reading about this person in, in in Morocco, who then travelled to, um, you know, the Mamluk period, he tra he travelled to, um, the Ayubi period, sorry, to Egypt, became the physician of Salahuddin Ayubi. I had to learn that his name was Maimonides, and I mm. I must have written it down somewhere, and so that is part. It's a drop in this this thing that he taught man what he did not know, he taught you, mm. taught me, and what do we build our civilization on? Knowing and recording that we did not know in the past. When you know it, you create civilization. And so this is why when I said, you know, Iqra is this kind of manifestation, like the Big Bang, of the start of a civilization. Islam started with this Iqra. Like the whole thing, everything you can you can bring to mind about Muslim civilization that's beautiful and productive. All of this came from Iqra. From nothing else, no other concept in Islam has been able to impact this than literacy. And this is such an interesting thing, literacy, knowing what things are and why they are and, and, and knowing the niceties of things, not just being generalist and just giving bland statements out, knowing specifics and, and you know doing this incremental movement forwards. Mm -hmm. That's the blessing of Islam. That's all we have uh, reflections uh, with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad today. Inshallah, we will start with ayah number six of Surah Alaq. Kalla innal insana layataqa. And we'll continue with it. Inshallah. Until then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Alaikum salam wa rahmatullah.